Morning, everybody. I've got the fun one. I think I've drawn the short straw. <laughs> Thou shalt not murder. Isn't that the fun one? Ah, <laughs> oh, praise God. Um, many of you know that um, just a few weeks ago, Val and I celebrated our golden wedding anniversary. And um, thank you. And, sorry? Yeah. yeah, she needs a medal. Um, but uh, I did buy her some nice things, but uh, one, of the, one of the things that she really needed was a uh, rotary clothesline. I wasn't buying her this for, for the anniversary. But uh, I forgot to tell her that I'd actually ordered this on, on um, Amazon and that it would come during that week as the weekend came when we were celebrating our golden wedding. And I'd gone out somewhere and this huge thing comes. And she hadn't opened it and she said, uh, what's that? I said, happy anniversary. <laughs> <laughs> So, so when she opened it, I was nearly hanging on it. So that was. But no, I did buy us. I did buy us some nice, nice gifts. Uh, but the the culmination of all that was the card. I'm not going to tell you what I wrote in the card. That wouldn't be right. But, um, but right at the bottom, I put. Listen, listen for this. Choose your cruise bit louder and that's exactly what Val did she went Ooh. I said now you can either go from Exmouth to Torquay or Exmouth to <laughs> I mean don't knock it it's 15 pound a head But, um, yeah, so that was, uh, that was quite something. Actually, um, somebody whispered in my ear just a few days ago that there's a young man in the church and he can impersonate my voice down to a T. In fact, this person said, if you gave him your notes and he, 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 he could preach from them, they wouldn't know any different. Is that right, Louis? <laughs> Would you like to hear me in double? Here's the notes. I'll go and sit down. <laughs> um, I must warn you that Val does a wonderful impersonation of you as well. So I'll see you later in the coffee bar. <laughs> Praise God. Well, it's um, my privilege to speak on this uh, Exodus 20:13. The authorized Bible says, "You shall not kill," but the new uh, King James renders it, "You shall not murder." Let's pray. Father, we thank you this morning for your 
goodness, your greatness, and your love to us. And we pray that as we just look at the scriptures this morning, that, um, that your Holy Spirit will take the word of God and help us to be givers of life, to speak life into one another, and to be the orchestrators of life, bringing life to other people. So we pray that you will take these simple words this morning as we look at this particular commandment, and Lord, just fasten them on our heart, that from it, Lord, will come the issues of real life and blessing to one another. In Jesus' mighty name we ask it. Everybody said? And amen. You know, some years ago when we lived up in the uh, English Lake District in Cumbria, um, Val and I used to go down to Strangeways Prison in Manchester, which is the top security prison in Manchester. The chaplain was a man called... um, Noel Proctor, very evangelical uh, chaplain. In fact, when prisoners got saved, they, they were invited to join the choir. And I remember one day we were sitting there in the chapel and the choir came out. And they sang one day at a time, Sweet Jesus. It was very moving and they were very brave to, uh, you know, to be able to do that. But um, this particular Sunday... Uh, we had a couple with us from America, and I said, would you like the experience of coming with us to Strangeways Prison? So they said, yeah. So we go down, and I, I, when, when I went, I would take uh, PA equipment. I'd sing a few songs and preach for about 15 minutes. And, that you, you know, you would give an appeal, and Noel would note anybody. He'd say, if you've... If you put your hand up this morning, if you gave your life to Christ, I'll be at the doorway shaking hands. Just give me your prison number. We'll come and see you in the afternoon. That's what we used to do. We'd go around the cells in the afternoon. So we get there this particular day. I'd got the PA equipment, but I'd forgotten to bring the leads from the amp to the speakers. And so basically it was defunct. I couldn't use it. And so we had to use the prison antiquated uh, kind of uh, PA equipment. Uh, but first of all, we would go to the remand section. The prisoners, the prison was set up in two sections, remand section. These were prisoners that were waiting trial. And I don't know why it was, but and Noel never seemed to kind of, you know, grasp this for some reason, but he would always choose a hymn that day in the remand section, and some of the older folk will, will um, know this hymn very well, but, but it used to make me smile as we sang it, because these, these lads were there, and they're all waiting trial. And one of the lines goes, have we trials and temptations? Is there trouble anywhere? <laughs> Do not be discouraged. Take it to the Lord in prayer. And, of course, they'd all got trials and they'd all got temptations of how they could escape. Um, But then we would go from that to the main prison, which would be in a um, large uh, chapel area with pews that would seat 400, 450 prisoners. 
it was quite daunting, really, because, you know, there'd only be about four or five guards just, uh, you know, stationed around. But this particular day, when we go down with our friends from America, um, we get to the prison door, and the prison officer said, we're on riot alert. Sorry, what? Riot alert. Uh, anything could happen, but if the prisoners start rioting, you go out that door straight away. Uh, so anyway, I'd, for, I'd forgotten the leads. We're using this antiquated equipment. I got tapes for my friend to put on so I could sing to. And, you know, the, this tape was, it was quite a, a, a loud uh, kind of racy kind of song. And... Um, he put it on and halfway through it comes on. So I said, sorry, that's not right. So he tries it again. That's not about three or four times until we actually got the start of the tape. By this time, the prisoners were getting restless. And uh, when the music starts and it's really loud, um, one of them shouts, sounds like rawhide. Well, some of you won't know that, but it was an old Western uh, called rawhide years ago. And everybody starts laughing. And Nola said, if anybody heckles you, just carry on, don't worry. But that kind of broke the tension of, of what was in the room. The governor was actually sat at the back. And he said later, uh, you know, things went wrong for you, but you don't know what, what good that did because it broke the tension of, of the morning. And there was no riot. But two weeks later, there was. And they ripped the roof up, set fire to the, uh, you know, to the um, uh, sanctuary, as the Americans call it, the, the church hall. And uh, they went onto the roof for days and days. And every day it was on the news. And one guy would come out with his shirt off and say, good morning, Manchester. And they tried hosing him down. They tried all kinds. And they were up there for days and then, do you know how they got them down eventually? The prisoner was so hungry that they started cooking bacon and eggs <laughs> under the roof. Where they, That's true. And some of them got another 10 years on the sentence for those riots because they ripped the roof off and, uh, you know, it was major news. But, you know, when I'd be shaking hands with them, in that, in that congregation of 400, 450 prisoners... There would be, um, there'd be murderers, rapists, thieves, um, you name it, they were all there. And we'd shake hands with them. Many of them would be so thankful that we'd take the journey of 900 miles to come and talk to them. But they all had their own story. Everyone had their story of what had happened. And, you know, it's, it's very interesting because when you think about that commandment in Exodus 20, 13, you shall not kill, the authorized Bible says, but actually the New King James says, you shall not murder. Often it's through a fit of anger through jealousy, revenge, bitterness. It could be alcohol, it could be a fight, it could be drug-related, but they all had their own stories. 
And you know, I don't know about you, but I'm astonished when I, when I watch the news. I remember as a, as a small boy, if there was a murder in the country, it was, it was, you know, headline news. But now it's happening every day. And, and, and I'm horrified sometimes to think that out of a fit of anger or jealousy or rage, someone can take somebody else's life and not only take their life but ruin their own because for the next however many years or maybe without parole they'll be in a cell behind bars and if ever there was a scripture that I think is is relevant to today it's 1 Timothy 4 verse 2 where the Apostle Paul talks about the last days and in the authorized Bible it says there will be men, uh, there will be people who will have their consciences seared with a hot iron. Or, or in other words, their consciences will be so seared, broken, uh, that they don't even feel any remorse. That happens time and time Again, just on the news this weekend, it was talking about young, one young woman who had murdered three people and she actually enjoyed it. That's the kind of situation that we are faced today. In Chicago, it's, it's commonplace, and that's not an exaggeration, it's commonplace when there's a bank holiday weekend for 32 homicides to take place in the city of Chicago, mostly drug-related. And that's the kind of generation in which we're living. The King James Bible says this in Exodus 20:13. It uses the word kill, but the new King James and the newer translations, which are a better translation from the original Hebrew, says you shall not murder. So we don't talk about murdering a mosquito. We talk about killing a mosquito. But when it comes to murder, it's the immoral taking of human life. You know, sometimes... The law can tell us that something's right and it's lawful, but it can be very, very wrong. Abortion is a right, but it's wrong, according to the Bible. Let me just say this this morning. The Bible tells us in Psalm 139, verse 13, and this is a, a, a newer version of that scripture which says we are fearfully and wonderfully made. And we are. God has done some amazing things. We're fearfully and wonderfully made. Do you know your body has the ability to, to heal itself in many ways? Do you know that? When I went for an angiogram years ago, the doctor said to me, look at you could, see, you could see the heart on the TV monitor. He said, look what's happening. He said, your heart is already making new veins to bypass and to make its own bypass. Isn't that amazing? And that happens. 
we're fearfully and wonderfully made. Psalm 139 verse 13 says, You made all the delicate inner parts of my body and knit me together in my mother's womb. Thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. Your workmanship is marvelous. How well I know it. You watched me as I was being formed in utter seclusion, as I was woven together in the dark of the womb. You saw me before I was born. Every day of my life was recorded in your book. Every moment was laid out before a single day had passed. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that amazing? God knew us. Before we were formed in the womb. Listen, you're not an accident. Do you understand that? I've heard people say, oh, we've got two children, but the third one, (laughs) you know, it was an accident. No, no, it wasn't. None of us are accidents. None of us are accidents. God knew us and God wanted us on the earth at this moment in time. And God has a plan and a purpose For every single one of us. But think about what the psalmist was saying. The Bible says in Genesis 1.27. In the image of God we were created. Whichever way you look at that text. God is Trinity. Father, Son and Holy Spirit. We are Trinity. We are spirit, soul and body. We are a spirit. We have a soul. We live in a body. But God made man in his own image as a representation of him, of his character, of his image, of his life. And that's why when Jesus talks about the least of the people in Matthew 25 verses 35 to 40, he says this. He says, when I was hungry, you fed me. When I was thirsty, you gave me drink. When I was a stranger, you showed me hospitality. When I was naked, you clothed me. And what you did unto the least of my brothers and sisters, you did unto me. So what was Jesus saying? He was saying, when you do it to the least, you're doing it unto me. Why? Because he identifies himself with us. Now let's just... Think for a moment about the heart of the matter. Ecclesiastes 3.11 says that he has set eternity in everybody's heart. There's something of eternity because we are an eternal spirit. When we die, we don't die. Our spirit lives on. That's why people sometimes say, well, if I go to hell... I won't know anything about it. Fortunately, they will. But he set eternity in our hearts. There's something of God in every single man and woman. Something that longs to be connected with the living God. And this is what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 5, verse 19. From the heart come evil thoughts murders, adultery, all sexual immorality, theft, lying and slander. These are what defile you. 
Eating with unwashing hands never defiles you. The Pharisees were accusing Jesus' disciples of eating without washing the hands. Well, it's a good thing to wash your hands, but, but Jesus was saying, listen, there's, there's far more important things. It's what's going on inside that defiles you. Outward actions spring from what's happening within. The first murder in the Bible, of course, was Cain murdering his brother Abel. Abel. And obviously, whichever way you look at that scripture, there was some resentment, jealousy in Cain's heart, maybe because his sacrifice uh, had been rejected and Abel's had. But, but there was jealousy and hatred and anger and resentment in his heart that led to the death and murdering of his brother. So the Bible lays great emphasis on what's happening within us and gives us the formula for creating and spreading life. And when we really come to know Jesus Christ as our Savior and Lord, this is what we are called to do, to be the givers of life, to be the spreaders of life, to help people into life. The gospel of Jesus Christ is all about restoring the life of God to men and women. It's about the great exchange that Isaiah talks about in Isaiah chapter 61 when he says he will give you beauty for ashes and oil of gladness for mourning, etc. And what we must make sure of when we really turn to the Lord is that we come in absolute repentance and hate the sin, hate the unbelief that's kept us from God. But when we come in repentance, then the life giver steps in and the spirit of God, the spirit of life enters our spirit as we receive the grace of God. Now listen to what the writer of the book of Hebrews says in chapter 12, verse 14. He says, Work at living at peace with everyone. Isn't that a great statement? Work at living at peace with everyone. Work at living a holy life. For those who are not holy will not see the Lord. Look after each other so that none of you fails to receive the grace of God. Keep calm comes from living at peace within and with everyone else. So God, we, you know, Graham talked about rest last week. And that comes, you know, that there has to be a rest within us as well. And that comes from living at peace in our own hearts and with each other. And I'm going to read you some verses. I don't apologize for this because I think it's good sometimes just for the Bible to be read. But in Ephesians 4, verses 17 through to 31, listen to what Paul says to these believers in the city of Ephesus. With the Lord's authority, I say this, live no longer as the Gentiles or unbelievers do, 
For they are hopelessly confused. Their minds are full of darkness. They wander far from the life of God that he gives because they have closed their minds and hardened their hearts against him. They have no sense of shame. They live for lustful pleasure and eagerly practice every kind of impurity. But that isn't what you learned about Christ. Since you have heard about Jesus and have learned the truth that comes from him, throw off your old sinful nature and your former way of life, which is corrupted by lust and deception. Instead, let the Spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes. Put on the new nature, created to be like God, truly righteous and holy. So this is the practical side. He says, so stop telling lies. Let us tell our neighbors the truth, for we are all parts of the same body. Don't sin by letting anger control you. No, it's not wrong to be angry. It's wrong to let anger run riot and control you. There can be a righteous anger. But don't sin by letting anger control you. Don't let the sun go down while you are still angry, for anger gives a foothold to the devil. I want you to think about these things, because when it talks about giving a foothold to the devil, it's not just a saying. It means that we're actually giving him license. We're actually giving him license to make things far worse. If you were a thief, quit. Quit stealing, quit stealing. Instead, use your hands for good work and then give generously to others in need. Don't use foul or abusive language. Let everything you say be good and helpful so that your words will be an encouragement to those who hear them. And don't bring sorrow to God's Holy Spirit by the way you live. Remember, he has identified you as his own. Listen to this guaranteeing that you will be saved on the day of redemption. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that amazing? God's Holy Spirit is guaranteeing that we will be saved on the day of redemption. Another verse says, He has stamp marked us with the Holy Spirit that absolutely assures us on the day of redemption when Christ comes, we will be with Him. And so Paul says, In the light of that, this is what we have to do. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words and slander, as well as all types of evil behavior. Instead, be kind to each other, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, just as God, through Christ, has forgiven you. You know, there's, there's two unpardonable sins. I know you think there's one, but I'm going to tell you there's two. One is blasphemy against the Holy Spirit. And if you're worried about that, you haven't committed that sin. The other is, if we don't forgive, he will not forgive us. That's what the Bible says. You know, I spoke to a, a gentleman just a short while ago who came for prayer in one meeting that I was at. And he said, for 30 years... I have never been able to forgive this person. 
I said, you have to forgive. You really have to forgive. That's very important. Because if you don't, it eats you up. Bitterness comes. And it ruins the life of God within you. It's a great way to share life with other people. Praise the Lord. Think on these things, Paul says in Philippians 4. Things that are lovely, of good report, that are wholesome. And he, he goes on to say, in the peace of God that passes all understanding will keep your hearts and minds in Christ. Let me just give you a couple of illustrations before I finish. I'm amazed that sometimes when churches are praying for people to be saved, that some of the Christians that have been there for years just forget where they've come from. Paul Scanlon, who was pastoring the church in Bradford for a number of years, I heard him tell this story, and I'm sure there was a little bit of pastoral license and, uh, you know, exaggeration in it. But he said, we started bus evangelism in the city. And we sent buses out to the poorer areas of the city to bus people in. And he said, people started coming into the church. And he said, one Sunday morning, there was a row filled with uh, husband and wife and three or four kids. And he said, one of my stewards came to me, one of the ushers, and said, Pastor, uh, you know that row just there where those people are sat? He said, would you mind going and asking them to move because that's where my wife and family sit every week. Can you believe that? And Paul Scanlon looked and he saw, <laughs> he saw rippling muscles, studs everywhere, tattoos all over. And uh, he says, you know, just a, a, a slim kind of vest, obviously worked out at the gym. And that was just the wife. <laughs> and he said, he said to this guy, he said, I'll tell you what I'll do. He says, you go and ask them to move. And I promise I'll give you a great funeral service. In the 1970s, in the hippie revival, the Jesus movement, as it was called, in Costa Mesa, California, Chuck Smith was pastoring the church, and the hippies were coming in in droves. And one of the stewards came to him one day, and he said, Pastor, you know our lovely padded, padded pews? He said, they're coming in with buckles on the sandals and buckles everywhere, and they're tearing the pews. What can we do? And Chuck Smith looked at him and said, if necessary, we'll get rid of the pews. But we won't turn them away. And folks, we've got to come to the point where if, if we believe that we want to be a presence-driven church, and as prayer begins to increase as it is beginning to do in the church, and we begin to sense and feel the presence of God then people are going to come in from all walks of life. Not just exactly like you and me, but they'll come in and we don't get to choose. God sends them as we pray. And what we've got to do is to be able to speak life into them. To speak 
to speak vision into them. Don't kill them. And I'm not suggesting you would for a moment by your stares or your looks or your glances. Don't kill them by words. Don't kill the first love in people because some of them will be so excited they'll make you think you're backslidden. But this is what's going to happen when we start to pray and believe that God is going to send people let's be ready to speak into them vision to speak life to speak passion to speak love for God and build them up so that they become ambassadors for Jesus Christ and that's what I want to encourage you to do today and what we're going to do just as I close right now we're going to speak life into each other what a great way to live is to bring life and blessing and encouragement and vision to one another and to live at peace in our own hearts and lives. So I'd like you to stand if you would. Many of you will know the blessing that Moses asked Aaron to bless the people with. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. I don't know whether you know everybody in the church. I certainly don't know you all by name. But what I would like us to do this morning is seriously to speak this blessing over each other. If you're here today and you've never given your life to Jesus, come and see us afterwards. Talk to your friend or come and see one of us here at the front. But now we're going to speak a blessing over each other. And this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to repeat the first phrase and then I want you to repeat it. But I want this section that's in this section to turn around and face the rest of the congregation. Would you do that? And as we say it, I'm going to say it first. Listen to the words and then I'll start to say it and you say it with me. As we do, I want you to lift your hands towards the other part of the congregation. And we're going to bless one another and speak life into each other. This is the first phrase. May the Lord bless you and keep you. Can we lift our hands towards other people? Ready? May the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Father, we pray right now over the whole congregation that every one of us, Lord, will not allow bitterness, wrath, anger, or anything in our hearts, but our hearts may be pure, that we may be life givers. And 
And Lord, just, just to be able to speak life and blessing and vision and encouragement and peace to one another. Lord, may that be so. And help us as you send people, as people join us, as people come straight out of the world. Help us to put our arms around them, to bless them and to bring life and blessing and safety and assurance into their hearts. And everybody said, Amen. God bless you.